This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 113 of the Feed Room Chemist podcast. So way, way back in episode 47, I hinted at this concept called fetal programming. And I talked about how a developing fetus can actually adapt to external factors while in the mother's womb. And the crazy part is those adaptations can have lifelong effects on the baby. So in this episode, I'm going to dig into this concept just a little bit further, and I'm going to explain what we are understanding from the research standpoint on this topic called epigenetics. But before I get going, um, I ask that you please go leave me a rating and a review for this podcast. Um, Do that either on your podcasting app or on my social channels. Um, And if you have not already followed me on one of my social channels, please go do that as well. Um, I am on both Instagram and Facebook. You can find me by searching Dr. Jimmy, equine nutritionist, and Jimmy is spelled J-Y-M-E. Okay, who knew that your horse's DNA could be influenced? I mean, I guess I always just kind of figured that your DNA was your DNA and there wasn't really much you could do about it. Well, I was wrong, very wrong. (laughs) Our DNA, it does stay the same, right? The sequence stays the same, but it can be expressed in very different ways depending on the things that we experience in our environment and what we put into our body. And this goes for our horses too. So this this study of this concept is called epigenetics. So let me start by explaining epigenetics. Um, Epigenetics basically refers to how cells in the body are able to influence gene activity without changing the DNA. So um, let me give you an analogy. Think of the road systems in a city, right? There are interstates, highways, there are off-ramps, on-ramps, frontage roads, there are side streets, there are alleys, right? All kinds of, of road systems that make up each city. Each city is, is uniquely individual based on their systems of roads. So think of those road systems in a city kind of like a DNA sequence. The, the city roads are where they are. You can't change that layout of those roads, right? In the same way that the DNA sequence in your body is what it is. You can't change the sequence. But in terms of the city, you can modify how the traffic flows on those roads, right? So you can Im- implement and install things like traffic lights, um, bridges, barricades, all of these kind of temporary modifications um, in the roadway would be very similar to things like histones and methyl groups that are attaching to your DNA, okay? And these attachments to the DNA, they are able to switch on or off certain genes in the same way that a traffic light can stop or start traffic or how an overhead bridge 
can keep traffic flowing at the same exact time that a train is crossing underneath the roadway. So in other words, the complete set of DNA in a cell is called the genome. And when all of the little modifications that regulate the activity or the expression of the genes, that is, that is known as the epigenome, okay? So these epigenetic changes are like, kind of like little tagalongs on the DNA that influence which genes are turned on and which genes are turned off. And whether a gene is turned on or off influences the production of proteins and metabolites in the cells. So that's how we get physical changes that actually happen in the body. What researchers are beginning to understand now is that the environment has a direct influence on how our or our horse's DNA is actually expressed, right? So not only what we eat, but where we live geographically, um, what we're exposed to, both positive and negative, our thoughts, our stress levels, any toxins that we might choose to put in our body, right? Like smoking, alcohol, sugar, right? All of these factors influence the makeup of the epigenetic tagalongs on our DNA, which then is going to ultimately affect how we look, how we feel, how we perform, and even what diseases we will experience later on in life. So for example, um, if you take and look at human identical twins, right, they have almost identical DNA. But if you allow them to grow up in totally different regions, like split them apart the moment they're born, split them apart, take them and they live in totally different regions of the world, they will develop completely different sets of diseases throughout their life, like later on in life. And when I say diseases, I'm, I'm not talking about like um, colds and viruses. I'm talking about things like, um, you know, metabolic diseases or obesity or, you know, cancers or like different kind of more long term um, later in, in life stage type diseases. Okay. So if genetics were the only thing connected to these you know, later in life diseases, the twins should theoretically develop the exact same conditions, but they don't. Okay. So this is due to the phenomenon called epigenetics, which again is, is this whole science, this whole study of these small little molecular factors around the DNA that regulates how the DNA functions. Like again, which genes are switched on and which genes are switched off. Now here's the kicker. When a cell divides, it replicates not only the DNA, but also the epigenetics, okay? So re researchers have, have identified um, there are four major epigenetic factors, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them to you that but there's no need to actually remember them, right? So one is DNA methylation. The second is histone modifications, the third is chromatin structure. And then the fourth is non-coding RNA. So again, there's no need for you to actually remember what each of those is. But if you are one of those people who does want to learn more, um, I am going to leave a link to a TED Talk video in the show notes. It is called Ancestral Ghosts in Your Genome. It's a 20-minute talk that explains um, each of those four epigenetic factors in a little bit more detail. 
Okay. But for those of you who are listening and you just want like the cliff notes, take home version of what that 20 minute talk is. Um, basically it, the take home message is that there are these four factors that are capable of turning certain genes on or off within our, within our body. That means that the exact same DNA sequence can react and express itself in totally different ways because of external or environmental factors that the body would be experiencing. Okay. So let me kind of reference this back to the horse industry, right? There are tons of full siblings, right? Same mother, same sire. The mare and, and, and the stallion are crossed. They create this phenomenal baby. It goes on to be a top performer. So breeders then try to replicate that exact same cross. Unfortunately, many of those other babies, the, the potential replications, right? They, they don't meet the same expectations or they don't meet the expectations of what the breeders thought they were going to get, right? They Maybe they don't have the same physical attributes. Um, maybe they don't have the same attitude or, or maybe they just simply don't have the same physical abilities. Now, those siblings share much of the same DNA. So why are they not all just equally or almost as equally amazing? Well, epigenetics are partly to blame. So the environment that each foal grows up in changes their genetic expression, which influences their outward behavior and their physical appearance and their physical abilities. Now, here's the cool thing. During embryonic and fetal development, there's this process called demethylation and then remethylation, where basically what happens is these little tagalongs on the DNA of the sperm are completely wiped clean. But then there's this set of genes that maintain their methylation group, meaning they're, they're basically immune to this like scrubbing or cleansing process. They call these, um, they're called imprinted gene sites. Again, check out that ancestral ghost TED talk video in the show notes. Okay. They, they talk about this in a lot more detail. And so I know that this sounds totally foreign, but don't, don't get hung up on these exact words, right? So basically what this means is that there are certain non-genetic forms of inheritance that can be passed from generation to, to generation. So they call this transgenerational inheritance, right? So it's not, it's not the DNA itself that's being passed down. It is this epigenetic programming, these little tag-alongs that happen because of things that the mare or the stallion experienced. Those things, those little tag-alongs can actually, some of those can actually skip over the scrubbing or the cleansing process and make it onto the offspring. Um, let's think about it like this. So if a stallion is exposed to something in his life or in his environment, it has the ability to change how his DNA is expressed. And some of those changes can actually be passed on to his offspring through his sperm cell. So a theoretical example of this, let's say a stallion spends one breeding season where he's locked up in a stall in a totally unfamiliar environment. Um, maybe his nutrition plane is not where it needs to be. He's not happy. Um, his stress hormones are high. He misses home. He misses his pasture. He misses his owner. You know, all of these negative things are going on with the stallion during that particular breeding season. But then let's say in a different breeding season, 
right? He's, he gets to stay at his home facility for collection. He's in his normal pasture. He's got a great nutrition program. He's with his normal owner. Um, he's in his regular routine and he's just overall much happier, not stressed, like fantastic life, right? The DNA sequence that this stallion passes on in each of these years is essentially the same, but the epigenetic modifications to the DNA can be different, okay? Meaning that certain genes will be turned on or off based on the things that that stallion was experiencing in his environment in each of those years. And if those epigenetic changes happen to be at these certain imprinted gene sites, then those can actually be passed on to his offspring and even his offspring's offspring. Okay, so same with the mare. The food she eats and the factors in her environment can cause certain genes to be turned on or off, and they too can be passed on to future generations. So to reiterate this point, both the stallion and the mare are passing on the same, you know, they're passing on their own DNA sequence, but the epigenetic changes from their nutrition program and their environment are going to control how that DNA is expressed um, in the baby that they create, okay? I think it is so important for stallion owners and mare owners to consider um, the environmental factors that happen before and during the breeding process because I mean, this legitimately can affect generation after generation. In fact, researchers have found that epigenetic changes can be seen for at least three to four generations after the original animal encountered the environmental influence. Right? Let me restate that. Animal one is exposed to something in the environment. Maybe it takes in a toxin or has a wonky nutrition program, but their offspring and the next two generations of offspring after that are not exposed to the same thing, yet the DNA of every generation appears to have the same influence as that original animal number one that received that direct exposure, okay? So what would be some examples of environmental exposures? I know that's going through your head right now. Um, studies have linked a variety of things. Okay. So things like, um, obesity or undernutrition, right? So the, the nutrition, how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of our animals, are they overweight? Are they underweight? Are they getting enough vitamins and minerals? Are we under supplying vitamins and minerals? What's the amino acid profile look like? Um, these, these same epigenetic Tagalongs changes happen in plants too. So things like temperature and drought can actually affect plants. Um, in humans, things like smoking, alcohol, um, lack of sleep, right? So people who work night shifts can actually have epigenetic changes on their DNA. Um, that the, the piece of that makes me wonder, you know, all of these horses that are living in stall barns where the lights never get turned off, you know, are, is their DNA, are they having, um, you know, epigenetic changes to their DNA that are being caused by the lights never going off? Um, it's certainly possible. 
Um, other things are, you know, industrial contaminants, um, certain plastics, insect repellents, right? So that also makes me think about these barns with, you know, automatic um, fly spray systems and all of the insect repellents and fly sprays that we're spraying on our horses. You know, I mean, those those could be changing our horse's DNA and changing how our horse's DNA reacts, right? Um, and then I think you know, what may be one of the most important things for us as horse owners to remember is stress, right? Stress is a big one that can actually cause epigenetic changes to our horse's DNA. I tell you what, I really appreciate the stallion owners and the mare owners who go above and beyond to keep their horses happy. So whether that means letting them live in an open pasture or something as simple as turning off those barn lights at night so that they can rest better and get some, you know, total dark hours in their life, um, or maybe letting them just have a buddy horse, or maybe a stallion gets to stay home and be collected in his own barn versus being shipped off to a large reproduction facility. I mean, there are just so many different choices and decisions to make that can influence how a horse's DNA is expressed and ultimately what is passed down to future generations. If you get a chance, I encourage you to also watch the TED Talk called Epigenetic Echoes of Your Mother's Diet. Okay, I'll drop a link to that one in the show notes as well. The professor in this video kind of walks us through the journey of how epigenetics can be influenced by the mother's diet. And, you know, one one thing that he mentions in his talk is the agouti mice. And you can you can search the agouti mice online, but basically the the story of the agouti mice um, experiments are that that you can actually change the coat color and the body composition of the mice that are to be born, okay? Simply by feeding the mother differently or exposing her to different environmental conditions, okay? So this is kind of like where they sort of stumbled into this whole concept of epigenetics and that the environment can literally change DNA expression. So basically feed the mother one way and she she, she produces these obese mice with gold color coats who die early of heart disease and diabetes and cancer, right? All the bad things. But then feed the mother a totally different way, right? Give her folic acid, folate, B vitamins, good nutrition. And she produces babies that are lean, that have brown colored coats and basically live forever, right? Like, So it's the same genotype, but a totally different expression. And all of that was determined by what the mother ate or what she experienced in her environment. I mean, I cannot help but wonder, you know, how, how much are we affecting our foals when they're in utero by what we are feeding the mother and what she is experiencing in her environment? One thing I am pretty confident in is that we definitely need to be providing adequate levels of amino acids, vitamins, and minerals to our pregnant mares and to our stallions in order to set up our foals for the best chance at health. And the reason that I say this is because, so there was actually human research done, I think it was in Africa, that compared adults who were born to mothers that were pregnant and nursing 
pregnant and nursing during the hungry season versus the harvest season. So meaning like the dry, you know, dried up brown time of the year versus the green, like, you know, heavy nutrition time of the year. Let's, I'm, I'm probably simplifying, oversimplifying that. But basically those adults, the adults, the, one set of group of adults were seven times more likely to die by a certain time point in their life if they were born to a mother in the hungry season, meaning that adult's mother, when, when that adult was an infant, his mother had poorer quality food sources, right? So she was, she was eating food that had fewer vitamins, fewer minerals, poor amino acid profiles, right? And, and so those children, when those infants, when they were born to those mothers, when those human mothers were, were in a poor nutritional state, when those infants became adults, they were seven times more likely to die, okay? How does that even happen, right? Well, what's going on is, is the methyl groups, right? They need a lot of nutrients to be produced. And remember that the methyl groups are those little tagalongs that attach to the DNA that, sh- that have the ability to change the DNA. So the complex B vitamins and, and the certain you know, amino acids that are critical, um, that, that you have to have those things for this methylation, okay? And so certain biological actions will occur within the first few days of conception. And we're beginning to understand now that these little imprinted genes that I mentioned earlier may be altered in a negative way when the mother's diet is suboptimal, okay? So bottom line, from the horse standpoint, make sure that your mare is receiving optimal vitamins, optimal minerals, and a proper amino acid profile in the proper amounts from the moment of conception, because this will impact the health of your future foal, okay? Now, a third TED Talk that I am linking to in the show notes is titled, Epigenetic Transformation. You are what your grandparents ate. Okay, in this talk, um, there is a physician and researcher, her name is Dr. Peak, and she brings up multiple examples where epigenetics plays a role in your DNA. She points out, if you were born with the most lethal form of the obesity gene, it's called the FTO gene, you can actually dampen that gene by 40% if you simply take a walk every day for six months. And then if you go the extra step, and you add some greens to your diet, you can dampen that gene by over 50%, okay? She also shared that cigarette smoke has been linked to over 50,000 genetic mutations or variations on gene expression, meaning a perfectly healthy person can create mutations in their genes at over 50,000 locations through the simple act of smoking. And to take that a step further, British researchers found that a man who smokes at a young age during the time when his epigenome is most vulnerable, his children and his grandchildren are more likely to be obese and overweight or overweight, right? There's, there is a crossover. There's a direct correlation to what our parents and our grandparents did to their bodies that is currently affecting our lives 
right? Think of how that plays out in our horses as well. Every bite of food that your horse takes is being interpreted by the body. And the body is making real-time changes to the DNA, okay? So, you know, I, I want to make sure that everyone understands, like, DNA is not destiny, right? Epigenetics has the ability to change DNA expression. And, and in, in Dr. Peek's talk, she made a really good statement about this. I love it. She said, genetics may load the gun, but epigenetics pulls the trigger, Okay, I'm going to say that again. Genetics may load the gun, but epigenetics pulls the trigger, right? So every move you make, every thought you have, and everything you put in your mouth has the potential to change your genetic expression. And the same goes for your horse, right? For those of you who may be wondering what I personally do for my pregnant mare right now, okay, Step number one, which I'm super happy about, she was bred to a stallion who was given the opportunity to live and be collected at his home facility. Okay, so the stallion owner has made a very prominent decision to collect the stallion herself and not send him to a breeding facility. So that like that kind of checks my box of, you know, happy daddy. <laughs> and then the mare is so she's allowed um, some pasture turnout and she also has access to a barn and a large run. So she can go out and be a horse if she wants to go hang in the pasture, but then she can also come in for a little pampering and um, come up, you know, be in the barn. She's got good shelter. She's got buddy horses next to her, so she doesn't feel alone, right? Um, and then she, from a nutritional standpoint, she has been on one of my favorite feeds. Um, it's by Blue Bonnet and it's called Intensify Growth and Development. She has been on that feed since before she conceived, okay? And then she will stay on that feed um, the whole time. And I just adjust the feeding rate based on her stage of pregnancy, okay? So I don't have to go changing feeds, you know, from the time that she's at, you know, month one of pregnancy to month 10 of pregnancy, right? She just stays on the same feed. And then as her pregnancy stages increase, um, the amount that I feed her increases based on her nutritional needs. And then she gets the highest feed increase after she gives birth. Um, and, and when she's lactating, because that's, um, you know, her highest time of nutritional need. So for those of you who maybe weren't aware, um, a lactating mare has the highest nutritional needs of any horse of any life stage. So that's where I will, um, ramp up and really peek out on the feeding rate of what I'm getting her so that she can receive the proper amino acids, vitamins, minerals, um, calories, you know, energy, etc., to support not only her body, but the full through the milk that she's providing. Um, and then I also, I take it one step further with her because that's just what I do. <laughs> um, I keep her on the Lifeline Plus supplement, which is an oral plasma. Um, and I just, I wholeheartedly believe that those two things are making positive epigenetic changes to the DNA of both her and her growing fetus. And they are going to impact generations to come. 
I will make posts for this episode on my social channels and I'd love to continue the conversation there. So feel free to share posts, um, photos of your horses, um, share special feed and care hacks. And I especially love to hear about how um, maybe these podcasts have provided some moments of enlightenment to you. Um, I'd love to hear about those. And um, again, I just, I want to continue this conversation and I'm looking forward to hearing back from all of my listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.